Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today, being with us today. I'll take the glasses off so I can see your eyes. Wow, what an amazing group of people. I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful that on this beautiful day, you woke up today and you said, hey, I'm going to church. I'm going to lean in to what God is going to teach me today. I'm going to lean into praising his name. We're going to continue our series today, minute by minute. The world is changing minute by minute. Minute by minute is uh, quickly as time passes is what it means. And how many of you know, you never know what you're going to wake up to the next day in 2020. Minute by minute, things are changing. Circumstances are changing. Even your relationships are changing. And I think it's more critical now than ever that we lean in to our spiritual growth minute by minute. And then we exercise our spiritual discipline. So today we're talking about accountability. Woo! Uh Uh-oh, here we go. I hope that you lean in today. I hope that you take notes. Uh, today, today's message is going to be very practical on how to instill spiritual s- s- accountability in your life. So please pull out your phone, pull out your notes, and let's lean into this together. How many of you here today, and this is not rhetorical, would say that you have a high level of accountability in your life? A high level of accountability. Anybody? Okay. Uh, let's also be honest. How many of you would say that I could probably stand to have a little bit more accountability in my life. (laughs) Okay, so even those that said they have high accountability, they're like, yeah, I need more. I need more. Uh, Accountability is in every aspect of our life. Think about your doctor. When you go to your doctor, you get your checkup. The doctor is going to hold you to a higher level of accountability for your health. That's his role. That's his responsibility. And that's what we pay him for. Amen? Think about your personal trainer. If you have a personal trainer or a physical therapist, then that person's role in your life is to hold you accountable to a plan. And if you want to stay healthy and fit, how many of you are grateful for our doctors and our personal trainers that speak into our lives? The same uh, is also true with our finances. We have uh, an accountability partner called an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) They hold you accountable uh, to being financially responsible and uh, to stay legal because uh, nobody wants to battle the IRS. One of my least favorite accountability partners is the iPhone. How many of you get that screen time notification every single week that's like, oh, by the way, you've spent 16 hours on your phone. Anybody hate that uh, notification, that accountability partner that shows up? It always shows up for me on Sundays just before I'm like going to church. You know how you're going to church, you know, it's going to be a good day. You get that notification, you're like, oh, what's this? You've been on your phone eight hours this week, and you're like, I didn't need that. Now I'm, now I'm feeling guilty and shamed by my phone. A lot of accountability that we put in our lives, we pay for. And I think that's wise. I have a coach and I have a mentor that I pay them good money to speak into my life. I think that's important. We need an outside perspective speaking into maybe what we can't see. But I also believe as followers of Jesus, we're called to 
another and a higher level of accountability that you can't pay for. And the scripture speaks very specific to this level of accountability. When we think of accountability, we think of somebody that is holding us accountable to a standard of living. So there's a standard of living. We want people to hold us accountable to whatever that standard is. I believe that scripture teaches us in Thessalonians chapter four, that we are to build one another up and encourage one another as we hold one another accountable. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11 if you have your Bibles. I'm going to be turning to a lot of different passages of Scripture today. So I encourage you to write this down. Go read it later. But this passage right here is going to set the tone for our next few minutes together. It says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Spiritual accountability is the action of bringing others around you for the purpose of holding you responsible to the standard of God's word. Let's say that again, say it slowest so we get a working definition as we work through this. Spiritual accountability is the action of bringing others around you for the purpose of holding you responsible to the standard of God's word. Let's pray and then let's dive into seven principles for spiritual accountability. God, we pray that you would use this time for us to grow in your word, grow in your truth. Father, I pray that today we leave here challenged, challenged to put more people in our circles that'll speak into our lives, that'll hold us accountable. Father, I pray that um, maybe for the first time there's people listening that have never really understood what your scripture has to say about accountability. And maybe I've had a perception that we're only accountable to you and that we can do whatever we want um, towards others. But I pray that there, there's a perspective shift and that we would truly see what your word has to say about how we're supposed to submit to your authority, but also that we are held accountable to others. God, we need your spirit to be the teacher today. It's only your spirit that can change lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first principle that I want us to look at today is that spiritual accountability prepares you to live an impactful life. So we're going to work through seven principles here. Encourage you to write this down. Save it for later. You're going to need it. Prepares you to live an impactful life. We see this in Proverbs 27, 17. It says, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. I don't want to simply exist in this life. I want to influence. I don't want to make an imprint on somebody. I want to make an impact in our city. I want to make a difference with my life. Therefore, I want to work with a sharp axe. Abraham Lincoln is quoted to have said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening my axe. But don't we live the opposite? Instead of putting accountability in our lives, people that are going to speak truth over our lives and iron sharpens iron, iron meaning uh, <clears throat> the only way for iron to sharpen iron is for it to get close and create friction and confrontation. 
And so because we're adverse to confrontation, because friction is uncomfortable, because we're afraid to be vulnerable, we're afraid to be sharpened, therefore we're working four times as hard, making a much significantly less impact with our lives. But what if instead we put people in our circles that spoke into our lives, created friction, had what's called growth conversations. I'm going to unpack that more here in just a minute. Growth conversations in our lives sharpened, spent more time sharpening our acts so that when we stepped out into the world, we were more effective, more efficient, and made a greater impact for the kingdom of God. You're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. But if he had six hours and now he only has two. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now. If you're trying to cut down a tree with a dull ax, you're never even going to get a single tree down. You get a nice sharp ax. You're out there making moves. Not that we would cut down trees. Save the trees. Save the trees. I wish there was a different illustration with a sharp ax, but it's, just, it's trees. It's trees. So we make excuses for the time spent with accountable relationships. We say, I'm too busy. We say, well, I don't really have the people around me that I would even want to hold me accountable, which is a real thing that we're going to talk about. Uh, Another thing that I've actually heard people say is, I don't have the energy to pour into accountability. That is like saying, I would rather work harder than smarter. And I honestly don't think that it is ignorant. Honestly, I feel like for many of us, I feel like it is partially ignorant, but I feel like for many of us, we've never been discipled in, shepherded in how to live an accountable life. My mom was uh, serious in the kitchen. Any chefs in the house today? Okay, we got a few, we got a few. And I remember my mom cutting with some dull knives and, and she always, always would cut her finger. And uh, she invested in a set of Cutco knives. Shout out Cutco, not an endorsement, but uh, they are sharp. And my, wife, my mom got a Cutco knife and I remember when I was being in the kitchen, she was cutting tomatoes or something. And she began to tell me how it is actually less likely for you to injure yourself and hurt yourself if you're in the kitchen with a sharper knife. All the chefs in the house say amen. Amen. Less opportunity for you to slip. You have to work harder. You have to do what the knife was not originally intended for, (laughs) but you get a sharp knife and it's able to fulfill its purpose. And I remember even hearing that from my mom, thinking to myself, what an incredible principle this is for our lives, to be sharpened so that we can better fulfill our purpose and make a greater impact with our lives. I've always said that if you wanted to make the least possible impact, I said the least possible impact in your life, then be negative, be busy, and be isolated. Be negative, busy, and isolated. But you see, the opposite happens when you begin to create friction in your life with other people that are more mature in their faith, that love you, that want what's best for you. Then you get close. And then when you're negative, you have those people that speak in your life to say, hey, you're kind of negative right now. 
Let's look to Jesus. <laughs> let's go, let's get in God's word together. And when you're busy, it's like, okay, we're never too busy. Seek the kingdom first. Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Like I said, spiritual accountability, what? It prepares you. It prepares you. By preparing to fail, you prepare. By failing to prepare it, you are preparing to fail. And I wouldn't say that any of us are like, intentionally preparing to fail. Like I'm trying to build my life so that I really screw up all the time. I would say that nobody here would actually say that. But I would say that sometimes our actions are speaking louder than our words. The, Associate, the American Society of Training and Development did a study on accountability, and they found that individuals have the following probabilities of completing a goal by taking these actions. You ready for this? Having an idea or a goal, you're 10% likely to complete a goal. 10%, that's pretty good. That's you getting an idea. That's your New Year's resolution. Consciously deciding that you'll do it, you're 25% likely to achieve your goal. So that's you getting an idea for a New Year's resolution or a specific goal in the season of your life and saying, you know what? Dang it, I'm gonna do it. Not tomorrow, today, 25%. Deciding when you will do it, 40%. Planning how you do it, 50%. And this is huge. You ready for this? Committing to someone that you will do it, 65% likely that you're gonna complete it. This is telling somebody, hey, I think I'm gonna lose 10 pounds and I kind of have a plan. What do you think? You're 65% more likely to achieve that goal. Are you ready for this? Having a specific accountability appointment with someone you're committed to. Meaning you've set a goal. Maybe it's a calling on your life which many of you have, that you've told me, hey, I have a calling on my life to preach the gospel. And I want you to hold me accountable to that. Guess what you just did? You just increased your chances of achieving that goal by 95%. If you commit to an appointment, you have a plan and you're specific with your accountability partner, you have 95% chance of achieving your goal. Hold on. So iron sharpens iron. This, this, is, this might be true. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, 22. You ready for this? Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. You have a calling on your life. God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. Put people around you that'll hold you accountable to his calling on your life. It says you will succeed. Principle number two, I promise we're gonna actually work through these faster than that one. That was just, that was the first one. That one was a big one. Now let's move quickly. Uh, principle number two, it protects you. Spiritual accountability protects you from careless words and actions. We see in Matthew 12, it says that you are going to give an account on judgment day for every careless word that you say. So I would imagine that many of us, we don't want to rack up a lot of careless words and actions in our lives. But in Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us consider how we can stir one another on towards love and good deeds, not neglecting the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but all the more as you see the day approaching. So if we're going to be held accountable before God, 
for every careless actions. Doesn't it make sense to abide by Hebrews chapter 10 to put a habit of gathering people around us to perfect us, to protect us from careless actions and careless words? Have you ever presented a scenario to somebody that really loves you and cares for you and you're trying to unpack a decision that you're supposed to make and they give you some things to think about and they say, I, I don't know that I would do that yet. No, have you thought about this? Or you're about to make a job change. And people are like, well, is this it, like, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this move? Or actually they speak into your life and they say, actually, I think this is the best move for you. Having accountability in life will protect you from the harmful words that you say, both for yourself and for others. The right people in your life are not going to be the ones that either condemn you when you screw up or are constantly condoning every action that you do. A spiritual accountability partner, somebody that genuinely loves you, is going to be somewhere kind of right in the middle. They're going to course correct you whenever you go off like, hey, I don't think you should say it like that. Hey, I've kind of been noticing a trend in your life where you're starting to isolate. Is everything okay? But they're also not going to contone everything. They're not going to tell you that you're the best. If you want an accountability partner that worships you, <laughs> that's called a fan. <laughs> it's called a groupie, not, a, not someone that genuinely wants to have intimate and personal relationship with you. It's definitely not somebody that's going to prevent you from careless words and careless actions. Principle number three, spiritual accountability points you to God's word. Not how good you are, but how good Jesus is. Not their latest self-help book, but the principles that are found in God's word. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division in the soul of the spirit and joints and marrow. Listen to this. This is important. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, I mean, we, we only, we're only so good at determining people's thoughts and intentions. But the scripture speaks to the bone and the marrow of who people are. So as an accountability partner on both ends, what is our greatest weapon? God's word. Are you going to convict people or is God going to convict, convict people? Are you the Holy Spirit in people's life? <laughs> hey, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit. I, I need a friend. I need an accountability partner. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof. This is one that we don't like. You ready for this? Correction. and training in righteousness, that every man may be complete, equipped for every good work. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As I said before, accountability is the action of bringing people around you for the purpose of holding you accountable and responsible to a standard of living. Uh, but I wanted to wait at this point to just take it one step further. Spiritual accountability is actually bringing people around you and holding you responsible, not to the standard of living that the world sets or that you personally set, but to the standard of living that God's word sets. 
if you're going to speak into somebody's life and you're going to confront them for a growth conversation, you better have some scripture in your holster. Don't pull out a gun with a little bit of biblical bullets in it, if you know what I'm saying. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't stir up your children in anger, but bring them in training in the Lord. If you're going to approach a father about training up their child, you better have some passages of scripture about, hey, it kind of feels like I want to speak into your life. You have some relationship there. I want to talk to you about your parenting. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Accountability groups. Hey, when was the last time you took your wife out on a date? When's the last time you did something special? Hey, what's your wife's love language? When's the last time you leaned into that? Would you say that you're dying for your wife? Like laying down your life? Just, just throwing it out there in the group. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Are we, are we dying for our wives? 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but his own person is sexual immorality, sin against his own body. Flee sexual immorality. Let's talk about that. What you looking at? What you watching? We better have some scripture to how we lean into our accountability groups. There's a difference between self-centered accountability and Christ-centered accountability. I want to draw a distinction here. Uh, Early on, I was talking about self-centered accountability. You know, it's, and I'm not saying that it's not bad to have a personal trainer or have a doctor or have an accountant. I actually highly encourage all of those things. I personally do all of those things. But Christ-centered accountability is different. Self-centered accountability is going to say, hey, you got this. I believe in you. Just dig from within. You're strong enough on your own to get through this. You're good enough on your own. You have enough talent. You have enough communication skills. You got this. Is that the type of accountability we want in our lives? The you got this accountability? No. I want people around me that's going to say, actually, I don't think you're that good. (laughs) Actually, like, yeah, I love you. And I think you got a lot of great qualities. And I think you're good looking and all the, yeah, I'm sure. But like, you're just not that good. Like you need God's grace on your life or you're going to fail. You can't do it on your own. The thing that you keep beating yourself up over and over and over, stop. Stop shaming yourself. Stop condemning your own sin. Jesus died on a cross, so you didn't have to do any of that. I want somebody in my life that's going to speak grace and mercy and truth over my life. John 1, 1, Jesus came in grace and truth. And how many times too often do we get that reversed in our accountability groups where it's just like, uh, it's kind of just truth and it kind of hurts. I want people to point me to God's grace, his mercy on my life and how I can live in freedom in that. Principle number four, it places you under authority. Woo! Don't you just love that word, authority? You're like, no, I came out from under authority when I was 18. <laughs> Actually, you, you like, you went to another level of authority. Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. 
Meaning before God, we are naked and not afraid. (laughs) Or naked and afraid. He knows everything about our lives. And one day we're gonna stand before him. And it says that we are going to give an account. Hebrews 13, 17, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. Your leaders, your shepherds, the people that are walking. So you're first under spiritual authority. You're first and primary under spiritual authority from God himself. You're also under the spiritual authority of your shepherd. And now this is me talking to you as your shepherd. Like, that is a burden that I don't know that I want to bear. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be held accountable for your spiritual well-being, but that was the calling that God had put on my life, that whenever I stand up to preach his word, I'm held accountable to it. Scripture actually says that I'm held double accountable to it, meaning that if I veer from what the scripture has to say, I should be very afraid. But it says that you're to submit to God and you're submit to your leaders. Um, church discipline is one of those conversations where it's just like, uh, hey, like, let's preach on church discipline and go ahead and like say goodbye to like half of the people that like showed up today. Like, thanks for coming. We'll see you next week. Uh, maybe not. Um, it was one of those top, talks of conversation where it's, it is really uncomfortable to say, you mean that if I'm going to lean in to be a part of the body of Christ and this church that you call Pinewood, you're going to discipline me? But spiritual discipline, church discipline is actually meant for your growth, not the church's gain. I believe that a lot of people distance themselves from getting involved in a local church because they want to, they don't want to be held accountable to their life. And that's really hard for me to say because I, I don't want anybody to feel guilty for that. Like if you're here and you're like, oh, I've done that. I just kind of wanted to live my own life and do my own thing. And every time I get around Pinewood people, they're, they're trying to pray for me. They're trying to lean into my story. Let me live my life. But I just want to let you know, like, we're leaning in because we love you. Do you think that we enjoy sitting down with you and saying, hey, man, uh, been noticing some things? <laughs> no, that's not fun for me. But I love you enough to step out and to have a conversation. I'm just curious, for those that call Pinewood home, how many here have experienced a let's just call it a growth conversation uh, at Pinewood. And aren't you better on the other side? It doesn't feel awesome at first. You're kind of like that stung a little. And even at first, our first reaction is kind of a rebuttal. You're kind of like, hey, that's not, uh, I didn't, uh." okay, okay. I want to encourage you in something. Don't wait for people to speak into your life. You go to them. If there's people here today that you, maybe you've looked up to or somebody here that um, maybe you want to be a mentor or maybe you want them to hold you to spiritual accountable, don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them and say, hey, are, are you seeing anything in my life that you know, maybe I'm not doing so well in or maybe I'm not as Christ-like as I should be? 
Invite growth. Don't wait for it to come to you. Principle number five, it predicts pitfalls in your life. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual are to restore them. Faithful are the wounds of a friend than the kiss of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How many of you know, <clears throat> you don't want somebody that doesn't love you coming up saying, you look good today. That's kind of weird anyways. What, I mean, like you, don't, like, you don't want anybody coming up kissing you regardless. But I'm just saying like, you don't want anybody coming up like puffing you up. No, you want a, a faithful friend to come to you and say the truth about what they see. Number six, uh, it prompts you, spiritual accountability prompts honesty and vulnerability. James 5, 6 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power when it is working. Honesty stems from relationships when people ask you the right questions. That's honesty. So when you're in a group of people and they come to you and they say, hey, where were you last night? Honesty is telling them the truth. But transparency is another level. Transparency is just being real with who you really are, whether people ask you or not. Transparency comes from creating a habit of honesty. Honesty comes by putting the right people around you that are asking you the right questions. Here's the progression. If you wanna live a transparent life, put people around you that'll ask you the right questions. That'll give you an opportunity to be honest so that then you can just be saying, hey, this is who I am. This is my life. And you can feel freedom in that. And then the final thing is spiritual accountability pursues progress over perfection. Perfection is never the goal. Hey, at the end of these times together and our accountability, we're just going to be perfect human beings. It's never the goal because we're never going to achieve that. That's an impossible goal. But the goal is always progression. Hey, I want to be a little better tomorrow. I want to know God a little bit more tomorrow. I want to have a little less stronghold in my life tomorrow than I had today. Two are better than one because, if they have a, because they have a good reward for their efforts. But if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity anyone who falls alone with no one there to lift him up. If you've ever fallen alone, then you know how detrimental that is in your life. Nobody to call. Nobody calling you. But if you want to make progress, I want to encourage you, put some people around your life that'll love you, show you grace, and speak truth. Um, pull out your uh, pen and paper. Pull out your phone again. I'm going to get extra, extra practical because I want you to leave with actually knowing how to do this. How to choose your accountability group. Choose somebody that's a mature believer. Choose people you trust. Choose people of the same gender. Choose mature people, choose people you trust, choose people of the same gender. I'm personally in an accountability group. I have accountability all over my life. One of my uh, bits of accountability is right here today. Pastor Dave Howitt speaks over my life. From a spiritual level, from an emotional level, I got, I think we may have had like three of those growth conversations this week. <laughs> it, was, it was a good week. Um, much better. Uh, I have accountability group in my life of, of men that I trust, that I believe are mature in their faith and that speak into my life. Tips for a successful group. Set expectations early. Be honest and transparent. 
meek weekly, weekly and talk often. Earlier, uh, before I even came to Boulder, I was in an accountability group for eight years. Same men. I, I encourage uh, three to five max. Um, spoke into each other's lives. We set expectations early. We were honest and transparent. We met every single week. There is no, I accidentally slept in or I'm tired today or I booked appointments. We have literally moved around vacations so that I could be there for my accountability group. Personal desired outcomes for me. This is for me. You can set your own, but this is for me. I want a deeper walk with Christ. I want a more intimate relationship with my wife. And I want to be an intentional and loving parent. These are my desired outcomes for my accountability group. And then finally, there are three types of accountability groups at Pinewood Church. First, there is our Sunday gathering. You made it here today. You showed up. We're so glad that you did. There's a lot of accountability that can be had here. You show up, we're gonna ask you what your story is. You show up, we're gonna lean into your life. Second is we have crews. Now these are a little bit smaller groups of about 12, 10 to 15 people talk about your life. We share some things that went well, some things that are a challenge in our lives and we lean in. And then the third is men's groups and women's groups. And these are groups of three to five people. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't have one of these. How do I find one of these? You choose a mature believer. You choose someone you trust and someone of the same gender and you lean in. You get close to people here at Pine when you keep leaning and you keep showing up. Nobody modeled this better than Jesus. He had a crowd, Sunday gathering, he had a crew, his disciples, but then he also had his three to five. He had his Peter, James, and John that came around him that he leaned into, that he trusted, that spoke into each other's lives and prayed for one another, went into the wilderness together to pray. And I wanna encourage you to have those same three groups in your life. If you're here today and you're hearing all of this about Jesus, obviously we make Jesus a big deal. Um, we talked about him in the beginning a lot. He's our foundation. He's our life. If you're here today and you have never made a decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, I want to make it as simple for you as you can. Jesus loves you so much. God sent his one and only son into the world to die on a cross for our sins. Scripture says that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Our sin equals death. We have turned our back on God. We've disobeyed. We've disrespected and disregarded his plan and purpose for our lives. And because of that, we're worthy of death. But Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm gonna send my only son to pay the penalty. So you don't have to die, but you get to live forever with him in heaven. And Jesus came, lived a perfect sinless life. He died on a cross and he rose from the grave. And he's alive, seated with the Father in heaven today. And he says, just come to me through my blood, through my death, burial, and resurrection, you can have life. And so I just want everybody to, if you would, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're gonna continue in worship. And I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you're here today and you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life, I believe it's gonna be the best decision that you've ever made. It was the best decision that I've ever made. If making Jesus Lord of your life was the best decision you ever made, somebody give God a shout of praise in the house today. Okay, let's go. If you would, let's pray this prayer out loud together. Everybody in the house say, Jesus, I need you. I confess that I have sinned. Please forgive me. I believe that you have been risen from the grave. And right now, by faith, 
I say, Jesus is Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. By your grace, I am saved. And by your power, I am set free. God, we thank you so much for those that have said yes to you for the first time. God, we cheer on. We know that the angels are cheering on. Father, we welcome all to the family of God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving us freedom from our sins, hope for eternity, and a family to belong to. We love you so much, and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.